did not wish to be too startling to you to have both Tom and me show up this morning. We have a reason for doing so, and Wayne's correct on we're involved in a project up north that uh, he's investing his talents and energies in something that's important to me. We do happen to have a pretty extensive relationship. Uh, we share a birthday um, we haven't always shared it. He was having that particular birthday for about six years before I started to have <laughs> that birthday. But uh, <clears throat> uh, Tom was my wife's youth minister 60 years ago. Uh, he was involved in her process of deciding to go to Bible college. Uh, I think Tom and Janet were at our wedding uh, Tom was a part of the uh, process of calling me to begin teaching at Lincoln uh, Christian Seminary some uh, almost 42 years ago now, a long time ago. And uh, we've been involved in a lot of experiences, and this was what, what might want you to be a little bit apprehensive. We've worked on a lot of projects together. Uh, approximately one half of my near-death experiences that I've had have been while I've been in partnership with Tom. Uh, we've climbed some of the highest mountains in the country together. We've been several times, I don't know how many times, to the bottom of the Grand Canyon together. We've been out on Canadian lakes uh, in small boats when storms come up where... Uh, Honestly, we did not know whether or not we were over going, ever going to get back to shore without going underwater first and uh, not making it on our own. So, let's see, I'm getting this. How's this? Is this better? Okay, okay, don't want to uh, bang your ears too hard. In essence, we have shared a great deal of life together. Uh, Tom was not only my wife's youth minister, he was one that we asked to uh, preach the funeral sermon when my wife died. We've been together. Part of life is like that, where we share some very good experiences and there are down moments. Which brings us to the topic I'd like to address this morning. Um, <clears throat> this is the middle of January now. It is a season where a great many people choose to have depression. Choose, did I say? Okay, they don't usually choose it. But you've heard of seasonal affective disorder. There's something about the time of year where there's less sunlight and you're more shut up and you tend to kind of back in. Plus, we've just had a great time of celebration. People may have had a wonderful Christmas and then there's a letdown. Or some people have had a very disappointing and isolated Christmas season and leaves them going into the uh, depth of the winter with a sense of aloneness. And depression is pretty common. Do you get depressed? We don't all get depressed in the same way. Some of us, by learning or perhaps by something in our uh, personal nature, are a bit protected against, not totally, but a bit protected against uh, depression, where when we come up against difficult problems, we think, okay, there has to be a way over it or under it or around it or through it or somehow we'll get beyond it and so just keep going. Some can do that and do so okay. 
Some find themselves feeling where there's just no energy anymore. I just can't keep doing this. And I'd like to reach out for help, but it's hard because I don't want people to know how really down and depressed I am. Sometimes it's a little bit of an issue related to our faith. Sometimes it's in a struggle with faith where we're wondering, God, I'd like to hear from you, and I don't seem to be hearing from God in the way that I really want. It is not reaching down and saying, hey, I love you very much. You're my child. We believe it, but we don't experience feeling that way. One of the uh, well-known evangelists uh, some years back uh, said, if you're depressed, it's a sin. You are not duly appreciating what God has done for you, so it's a sin for you to be depressed. That, that's really helpful for a depressed person to find out that uh, you have now just let down God one more time. You're really, really in trouble. Depression is a common experience. I would like to suggest to you that the Word of God is not going to absolutely prevent you from being depressed. But I am going to suggest to you that our scripture for this morning is a scripture that may well enable you to be armed, prepared to either avoid getting into that low, low point in life, or perhaps when you are there to be able to recapture the strength to see that you really are a child of God, persistently loved, and that at your most difficult, your most painful, your most despairing moments, God still loves you and wants the best for you. Our scripture is the, well, it's a whole book. It's the book of, book of Philippians. It's not a long book, but you may want to turn to that. In just a moment, we're going to uh, take a reading in the second chapter. This book has an interesting background. Uh, it really goes back to the 16th chapter of Acts, where the Apostle Paul had been in a process where he thought he was following the leading of the Lord, and he found out he had been not paying attention to what God was telling him. He wanted to go do evangelism up in Asia, which could have been a very, very good thing, and he just kept wanting to go that way, but somehow the Lord was working on him in a way that said, no, I want you to go to the west into Europe. There were no efforts to do intentional evangelism in Europe yet. Uh, Christianity was locked into that area uh, short distances outside of Jerusalem on up along the uh, eastern end of the Mediterranean Sea on through Asia Minor, but Europe. Well, while they were sleeping, a vision of God appeared saying, come over to Macedonia. That's in what we today know as northern Greece. Come over into Macedonia and help us. 
And so they decided, okay, God's wanting us to do that. We'll do it. So he and Silas, in particular, went into the city of Philippi. Philippi was a uh, an old city, about a 400-year-old uh, Ro- uh, city. Right now, it was counted as a Roman colony, a major outpost in the area. It was a place where uh, a lot of trade was going on. But when he went in, he did what he always did. He looked where there might be people praying. There did not seem to be a ready-made synagogue there where prayer would take place, but he did go down by the river, and there by the river he met a woman by the name of Lydia who was a traveling saleswoman, uh, sold purple uh, goods, very uh, rich uh, goods, fabrics to sell, and um, met with her and her. She and her family became Christian. One day while they were on their way down to uh, worship with the people again, they were confronted by a slave girl who had an evil spirit in her, and she was calling out, and he turned around and cast the evil spirit out of that young woman. Now we have another Christian in the area. This, however, made her owners angry because they were making profit off of her evil spirit, her divination. And so uh, they stirred up trouble and had Paul and Silas thrown in jail. While they were in jail, they were doing whatever you would do in jail. They were singing and praising God. Oh, you wouldn't do that? It's what they were doing. They were singing and praising God. And the jailer apparently was paying attention to them, but God apparently was also paying attention because suddenly there was an earthquake and all the cells of the prison were open and the chains were cast off and they were free. The jailer was ready to kill himself because you can't let your prisoners go free. And Paul called out, don't harm yourself, we're all here. (laughs) Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, worked with that family, their whole family became Christian. And so we at this point have a traveling saleswoman and her family. We have a, a young slave girl and we have a jailer who works the night shift and that's the church. And... The uh, magistrates came the next morning and they realized they'd been in trouble about the uh, jailing of him. They had violated Roman law because Paul's a Roman citizen. And so they said, please just get out of town. And with that, the church is left to start. How small does a church have to be before you say it's just not worth the effort? Imagine that can try to imagine that we right here are part of the Eastern Mediterranean Evangelizing Association, okay? We are about church planting, and we're in a meeting right now. We're, we're just looking over. We've had the financial report, and we've had some good... Excuse me a minute. My phone's vibrating. Hello. It's the Apostle Paul. Hey, hey, Paul, how are you doing? Uh, Staying out of trouble? Oh, sorry. I I, I 
No, just got out of jail. I, I, I didn't mean anything by that. Uh, well, listen, we're in a meeting right now. We're, we're into uh, church planting, you know. You plant them, we'll plant them. That's our motto. Uh, do you have something going on? You want some help with a church you just started? Oh, that's great. That, tell us about it. Um, three families, none of them particularly strong. Huh. Uh, you just got run out of town and told not to come back. And uh, it's the only church on the European continent. And you want us to help you. Uh, look, Paul, we're we're pretty busy in our meeting right now. Uh, we'll get back. No, we will get back to you, okay? Okay, thank you. Isn't that about how it would have to go? That's not a hopeful situation. Somehow, there was a bond that formed. Because when you read through this Philippian letter, you find that it is a, a letter steeped in love, deep caring. He opens it with, I thank my God every time I think of you. It's a relationship that's pretty powerful. And it became a church that was very, very influential. How in the world does this happen? It looks discouraging, depressing, and God's in the midst of it. Well, let's take a look at that letter and see the kind of things that say. We're, we're not going to get into everything, but I'd, I'd like for you to look at that uh, second chapter because in this, the Apostle Paul gives what is really a central statement of Christian faith. In fact, this is, this is kind of a powerful creedal statement. You may not be into reciting creedal statements that people have developed, but here's one. Listen to what it has to say, starting with the fifth verse. Your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking uh, the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient even unto death. Yes, the death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of heaven and of things on heaven, things on earth, and things under the earth, and every tongue should confess Jesus Christ as Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now look at this this central statement of faith. What you have is a statement about Jesus that runs all the way from creation. Very nature God. Remember John 1 talked about in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was there, but he did not count that nature as something to be clung to. But he made a decision to 
totally evacuate that role, put himself in our midst. Now you have Christmas taking place, the incarnation. He became one in our midst. And what did he experience? He took the role of a servant and became obedient even to the point of humiliating death on the cross. Now you have Good Friday, all the way up to Good Friday. But therefore, God has exalted him, lifted him up, both uh, generally, but specifically he's raised him up and given to him a name which is above every name. There is Jesus Christ in eternity. A powerful statement, a central statement. Now, let's look at who he's addressing here in the Philippian letter. As he starts this letter, he is thankful, but he is challenged by some things. Here are some of the things Paul's working with, and they're absolutely depressing. First of all, he's in Rome in prison. He's in chains. He points that out at the beginning. He's limited in his ability to go, go about. He did not go to Rome with an intention of preaching the gospel there. Instead, he was sent to Rome to go before Caesar for judgment. That's a discouraging prospect. He's heard that there are some problems back in the church. There are some people who out of very jealous motives are preaching the gospel. He's heard that uh, there have been problems with people fighting with one another. Even some of the leading women in the church, can you imagine that, are in conflict with each other. There are people coming from outside who are trying to teach false doctrine to really get people away from Christ into some kind of legalistic approach to uh, to being Christian. There are just a whole bunch of things that are threatening to the body of Christ threatening to these people. This congregation sent a man by the name of Epaphroditus to Paul to help him, and he got there and almost died from an illness. This is not a happy, happy story. And to these people, he says, here is how I want you to set your mind have this same attitude in you that was in Christ Jesus. Now, let's take this uh, for just a moment. When you are depressed, can you help it? Sure doesn't feel like it. Everything is just... In fact, if we were to take some time, I suspect some of you would be able to give a testimony of times where it seems like there's just a dark cloud that comes over and you cannot see light. You cannot see happiness. Can you do anything about that? Paul says, take this attitude. Now, I don't want to make little of what you're experiencing at your deepest moments, but he is still saying there's a power. In essence, you can change. 
Don't get locked into the most negative attitude. And he begins to give some uh, information that helps to undergird that. Let me give you uh, just a few scriptures that he has within this. He says, for example, uh, he's, he's talking about the fact that he may die. He doesn't know whether he's going to live or die. And so he makes a statement. He said, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And he's not talking about an anxiety to get to death, but a recognition that clinging to this life ultimately is futile. We're going to give it up sometime, and to die is gain. Put a different perspective on that. He gives an instruction in the uh, first chapter, the 27th verse. He says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. That's interesting. What he's suggesting is you choose not just your attitude, but you choose your behavior. Right now, I don't feel like being happy. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. But you choose your behavior. We, And some of us were at a Sunday school class where we talked about kindness this morning. Kindness sometimes springs naturally from our heart. Sometimes it doesn't come out of that heart at all. Any kindness that we have is going to come because of a choice. And here's the reason for the choice. In a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, Some other uh, messages within that. We worship by the Spirit of God. There are times when you come to church and sometimes you walk in with the readiness to praise. Sometimes you don't. In fact, my guess is sometimes you come here kind of grumpy. And your worship is not going to come just because, all right, uh, joyful, joyful, we adore thee. Rather, uh, it comes because you submit your spirit. Lord, please work within me to enable me to worship. He talks about his priorities. There's some debate about some people thinking they're better than others. And the Apostle Paul was a guy who really had some pretty impressive credentials. He could top most people with his credentials. But he says, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, the great equalizers, whatever credentials I have or you have, our greatest credential is that Christ Jesus is our Lord, and we're made one, and none of us is going to be pushed on top of the other because of that. He talks about his own approach in in the uh, face of difficulties. I'm now in the third chapter, the 14th verse. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That's, again, an attitude, not simply a can-do spirit, although that is part of what gets you through some of your difficult times. But very specifically, I'm not just saying I want to get over that next hill. I'm wanting to keep 
working in the direction of doing and being and experiencing what God has called me for. And then I want to take some time on this one. In the fourth chapter, he gets back to a theme that has been running throughout the book. You know these words. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Rejoice. Sixteen times in this brief book, he talks about joy. Joy is more than just, I feel good. It's more than just happiness. Happiness is really kind of a passive thing. Happiness is, it's like being tickled. Um, Being tickled is a passive activity. Tickle yourself right now. (laughs) It, It doesn't work. You don't tickle yourself. Joy goes way beyond that. Joy is the capturing of a spirit of acceptance, of contentedness that is wrapped up in believing that God is who he is for us and that we therefore can have this same mind in you that was also in Christ Jesus. And the transformation, the incarnation, the expectation all come together. Joy, not because everything that's happened to me is good, but joy because God is at work for good in us in each situation. That's what Paul is calling us to do. Are you depressed? You may well be. There are some depressions that are very hard to fight off. They may be deep within your soul, your blood system, your psyche. They may work on you. But beyond that, I think Paul would say, yeah, I know. You can imagine how depressed I was when I wrote to the Philippian church. But I want you to go beyond that. Have this mind in you. Excuse me, excuse me. I've got my phone calling again. Hello? Yes, Paul. Yes, yes, yes. We're we're just here talking about your letter. We got your letter, and we are working on having the mind of Christ within us. We're we're yeah, yeah, we're we're trying to do that. We're we're trying to conduct ourselves, behave in a way that reflects the gospel in us. Yeah, and We've set our priorities. We're not going to try to top one another and say we're better than each other because Christ is the one who gives us meaning. And absolutely, yeah, we are choosing, choosing to have joy even when we're unhappy. Yeah, that's right. Hey, thank you, Paul. It's a good letter. We appreciate your encouragement. Bye now. Anyone want to say anything to Paul before I hang up? Okay. I was thinking about this. In fact, I was intending intending to preach this last week when I was expecting I was going to be here. 
I had uh, gone about three weeks ago for a walk in a small park near uh, my house. I just had about 15 minutes. I don't usually go walking in that park. I do my walking and running elsewhere, but uh, I just had 15 minutes, so I went out. And I found a man on a cold December morning sitting on the ground behind his car, uh, which was running. He was the only other person in the park. I walked up and stood there for a moment, and he didn't look up at me, and so I said, Are you okay? And he looked and he said, No, I'm not. Well, it's not my business, so I walked on. Well, I didn't decide to do that. No, I said, Can you tell me a little more about it? And he started to talk. He, he, he stood up and came to me, and uh, he was telling a bad story. Um, he's going through a divorce right now, and he doesn't want it. Uh, but the divorce is happening because of some really, really stupid and destructive things that he's done in his marriage. And he talked a little bit about that, and he convinced me that it really, he really had been messing up. And um, so I said to him one of those subtle little things that we sometimes say. I, I said, are you considering killing yourself? Uh, and um, he said, yes, I am. Okay, now this is not to try to give you a suicide intervention lesson here. But uh, first thing it says, please don't do that. Um, you know, you, can, you don't want to say, well, go ahead. I really encourage him not to do so. And we talked a little further, and um, eventually I extracted from him a promise not to kill himself within the next 24 hours and to uh, make contact with me the next morning, and I gave him my uh, address where I, I live. And um, we reflected a little bit on the fact that I was in a park that I don't usually go walking in, and... Uh, I said, I'm not sure how you feel about things, but maybe God wanted me to be here uh, with you. And he agreed that that is possible. He affirmed he was a Christian, and uh, he was going to, partly out of that, stay with it. The next morning, he showed up at my house, and he hit me with a thing that I wasn't quite expecting. He said, uh, your last name's Boatman. Are you related to Mary Boatman? And I said, yeah, that was my wife. And he said, well, about 30-some years ago, she was my Sunday school teacher. And uh, she seemed to, seemed to encourage me. And uh, we talked a little bit more about that. And I reflected on the entire process he was into, his life was still discouraging, but it was not without hope. Some things he could not change. It's not likely that the divorce, for example, is going to be undone. But he can change life. And we reflected on Paul's message in Philippians. And today, the man who was aiming for death is aiming for life. Brothers and sisters, 
there are times when life really is hard. There are things that do happen to us that we cannot control. There are moments where it looks bleak and hopeless to us. But our God, who reigns on high, has chosen not to just remain distant and on high, but his Son has entered into our midst, and he wants you to share that mind and joy shall be yours. Let's sing the closing hymn. You may have a decision that you need to make right now that you would just like to share with the congregation. Please feel free. We want Christ to reign. Step forward. <laughs>